Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Kraft Heinz Company fourth quarter results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, please press star 1-1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Anne-Marie Magella. Head of Global Investor Relations. Thank you, and hello, everyone. This is Anne-Marie Magella, Head of Investor Relations at the Kraft Heinz Company, and welcome to our Q&A session for our fourth quarter 2023 business update. During today's call, we may make forward-looking statements regarding our expectations for the future, including items related to our business plans and expectations, strategy, efforts and investments, and related timing and expected impacts. These statements are based on how we see things today and actual results may differ materially due to risk and uncertainties. Please see, please see the cautionary statements and risk factors contained in today's earnings release, which accompanies this call, as well as our most recent 10K, 10Q, and 8K filings for more information regarding these risks and uncertainties. Additionally, we may refer to non-GAAP financial measures, which exclude certain items for our financial results reported in accordance with GAAP. Please refer to today's earnings release and the non-GAAP information available on our website at ir.crafthinescompany.com under News and Events for a discussion of our non-GAAP financial measures and reconciliations to the comparable GAAP financial measures. Before we begin the Q&A session, it gives me great pleasure to hand it over to Carlos Abrams Rivera for opening comments and to host his first earnings update as our Chief Executive Officer. Carlos, over to you. Well, thank you, Emery, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, you know, before opening the call for questions, I just would like to say thank you to all my colleagues here at Kraft Heinz for delivering another solid 2023 results and at the same time making the strategic investment for the future. And frankly, all that while navigating some persistent industry pressures. I am very enthusiastic for our next chapter here at Kraft Heinz. And in 2024, we expect to drive top-line growth, return to positive volumes, expand growth margins and operating margins, and continue to reinvest in the business and in our iconic brands. With that, I have Andrew joining me today. Let's open the call for the Q&A. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. One moment for questions. Our first question comes from Andrew Lazar with Barclays. You may proceed. Great. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Morning. Um, Carlos, I was, I was hoping to start out maybe um, organic sales in the fourth quarter were impacted, as you talked about, by trade timing and a retail inventory deload. Um, you're suggesting that you expect the first quarter organic sales to be similar to 4Q, which implies that underlying sales maybe could be a bit worse than 4Q. Is I don't think you expect the retailer deload to continue. So if I have that right, I guess what, what would cause the sequential slowdown in organic sales in 1Q, and how do you see that playing out moving forward? Yeah, good question, Andrew. Thank you for that. You know, the, the math on Q4 to Q1 may be similar, but the factors driving it are very, very different. 
And I think maybe, Andrew, if you could give a little more color as to the effects of both the North America business versus the emerging market business and how that's shaping kind of the math behind the numbers. Sure. Good morning again, Andrew. So we, as Carlos said, we do expect similar numbers from Q4, but coming from different drivers. So on North America, we do expect better performance because we should not repeat both the trade timing and the inventory load. We, we think we're going to be at a healthy level at this point. Uh, on, and sell-out, if anything, maybe will be in line with slightly better getting uh, to Q1. Now, when you talk about emerging markets, we do expect a shipment phasing uh, that will affect Q1. So we do expect, instead of growing double digits like we have been doing consistently, emerging markets should be growing in the mid-single-digit territory. Uh, you might remember that last year we had a very strong performance in Latin America. Brazil grew 40% in Q1. So we're going to lap that, so, but nothing wrong with the underlying sellout trends, both in North America and in emerging markets. Great, really helpful. And then, and then, Carlos, it seems like, if I have this right, most of the pressure in the, the Grow platform in the fourth quarter was in Easy Meals. Um, if I have that right, can you talk a bit about what caused that and maybe how this, this plays out as you move into the, the first quarter? Because it sounds like you do expect North America to get better. Yeah, and, and frankly, Andrew, if I think about Q4, let me start with some of the positive, which is, you know, we also saw the return to growth of our Orida business driving both growth and share performance as we continue to leverage kind of the new partnership we have with our Simplot and really being able to service the business uh, to its full potential. Now, on the on the kind of headwind side, I think we saw some challenges in our mac and cheese business. Frankly, it's a business that is driven disproportionately by our SNAP exposure, so that affected some of the business in, in Q4. However, as I think about going forward, there are three key things we're doing to make sure we improve the trajectory. One, we also making sure we are investing further in our com- new campaign behind mac and cheese and driving new innovation behind it as well. So you'll see from us additional areas around bringing new SKU flavors, we're bringing variety packs, and we're bringing, you may have seen, a new plan-based option with mac and cheese in a partnership with our, with our NOTCO. We're also making sure we continue to drive even better value with mac and cheese by leveraging the fact that we have in our portfolio partnerships that we can do with brands like Oscar Mayer to offer truly a complete meal solution for consumers, plus offering multi-packs, around 12 packs and four packs in different formats to different types of consumers who are looking for value. And then finally, we're also making sure we're partnered with retails and we're actually improving the overall assortment to optimize the traffic down the aisle. So I feel very good about the fact that the team have been able to acknowledge what happened and taking up creating a new plan for us into 24 to improve the performance of Easy Meals. Great. Thanks Thank so you much, Andrew. and uh, see you all next week. Thank you. See you again. Thank you. One moment for questions. Our next question comes from Brian Spillane with Bank of America. You may proceed. Hey, uh, thanks, operator. Good morning, everyone. Um, Good morning. I, I, I just had a question. I have a question about food service, and, and maybe if you can just drill in a little bit. In, in, in North America, it decelerated relative to the previous quarters, and, and I think even in your slide, you've got uh, you know underperformed relative to the industry, and and so um, I guess a couple of questions there. One is is just, you know, was there a trade or a, an inventory deload happening in food service? Uh, maybe if you could talk a little bit about 
the, the, the respective channels um, within food service, you know, what got better and maybe what got worse. And then, you know, sort of your expectations, both for North America and global on food service, you know, do you expect, um, do you expect it to be kind of in line with your, with your algorithm for, for food service this year, or, or maybe even a touch better? Just, just want to unpack that food service uh, a little bit more, please. I'm glad to. Um, let me start by clarifying something you said in your question. You know, in our food service business, we are growing both ahead of the industry in North America and international. So I think that we actually feel very good about our performance on, on, on food service, and we see that as we go forward into 2024. So, you know, we see food service growing up, growing in 2024 in our long, uh, you know, probably with a long-term guidance, so high single digits, so we think actually it's going to be a continued driver of our performance as we go into, into 2024. And frankly, we see the us having even more coming as we go forward because we are not only performing well where we are, but we also are improving by getting into new higher margin channels like independent and non-commercial channels, plus driving big innovation, leveraging our technology, leveraging the iconic brands that we have. So. So until now, we have seen the beginning of the potential of food service, and that is actually driving faster growth than we have seen in the industry. And we actually believe that between the innovation that we have, between us going into new channels that are higher margin and more attractive, we can actually make that even a faster growing part of our portfolio as we go forward. I guess I, if I'm looking at slide nine correctly, I, I think you've got the industry growing faster than, than your North America business in the fourth quarter. So again, it just, it just seems like, I, I don't know if there's a, a, a disconnect between what you shipped versus what consumption was, but it, it again, so, I'm, unless I'm looking at this slide incorrectly, it, it actually looks like you, you underperformed the industry. So, uh, let me just say, I think you are looking at the slide incorrectly, and, and happy to follow up with you specifically. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for questions. Our next question comes from Stephen Powers with Deutsche Bank. You may proceed. Hey, thanks. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, morning. Carlos, I guess stepping back, i just like a little bit more detail on your conviction surrounding um, improved total portfolio volume trends and, and presumably volume share trends um, and a return to growth as you progress through 24. Because on the one hand, I understand um, drivers that you talk about in your prepared remarks. Uh, on the other hand, we're coming off a quarter that saw you tweak organic growth expectations lower coming into the quarter and then effectively undershoot those those expectations, you know, when, when the dust settled. So I guess, again, what, what gives you the confidence that we're not only leveling off, but we're approaching a level that we, where we can return to growth, um, you know, without, without, I guess, incremental investment in promotions in price, because it doesn't seem like that's part of the outlook. Right. Let me just, let me unpack that a little bit. Um, you know, first, as, you, as Andrew mentioned earlier, there is some factors specifically affecting our, our Q3 perform, Q4 performance in terms of trade as well as inventory that we're not going to repeat as we go forward. As we go into 2024, I think about first the top line. You know, we are going to continue the pro progression of emerging market as food service. And then, you know, emerging markets already growing volume. We are seeing the progress of our food service business growing faster than the industry. And in North America, on the top line, 
we actually expect to recover share as we are now making all the all the payoff of the innovation investments we have made, we'll start seeing that coming throughout the year. So I think that idea of us continue to invest in the right things behind our insights in North America is paying off with innovation. And then it also us too to have the right business plans with our retailers. Those factors actually are going to help us drive the top line with confidence. If I think about kind of the, the, the piece of specific, specifically you talked about volume, you know, one of the things that we are looking at is we are anticipating a return to the historical electricity levels, and in fact, we are seeing that already. So we are expecting volumes to turn positive in the second half of the year because, as I mentioned, the idea of us continue to invest in innovation, that actually will give us the right tailwinds as we go into the year. Plus, we no longer will have the some headwinds that are associated with both pricing that we took in Q1 of last year as well as the SNAP benefits uh, cycling that as we go into the second half of the year. So that also, you know, that all together gives me the confidence that we, we can see that us coming together with a, a better performance as we go into 24 in a way that actually allows us to exit the year in an algo uh, for us as a company. Okay. Okay, very good, very good. Thank you. And then, Andre, if I could, um, you know, th- there was – yeah, the, the free cash flow conversion this year improved as as it was expected to. So that's that's a positive, I guess. Just as we look into 24, um, how are you thinking about free cash flow conversion uh, in the new year? Can we can we expect further improvements? Um, and if not, you know, uh, you know, either way, what, I guess what are the drivers of uh, free cash flow progress uh, as we go forward? Thanks. Sure. Um, good morning. So. Yeah, as you pointed out, we, we were able to deliver a very solid cash flow conversion in 2023 of above 80%. And we do expect uh, a, a small progression also as you had into 2024. Uh, we're still uh, going to be in the 80s territory because uh, we do expect another year of solid CapEx investment like we have been doing in the last two years. There's a lot of good investment opportunities for us in the organic business. Um, yeah, and we have some tax step up that we also mentioned it's affecting earnings as well. So those two factors go against that. But on the other hand, working capital should expect to continue to improve as a consequence of the investments you have been making. You know, the one thing I would add, okay. too, is as we go into those of you joining us in Cagney, uh, you know, we'll be able to unpack, too, a little more of our investments we're making. I mentioned quite a bit about innovation, about how we are going to re- continue to invest in our brands, making sure they're superior to our competition. So I think you'll see a lot of more details that uh, from myself and the team uh, when we're together in Florida. Okay, very good. We'll see you there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for questions. Our next question comes from Ken, Ken Goldman with JP Morgan. You may proceed. Hi, good morning. Um, just curious, you know, there's some early indications that maybe as an industry, you know, quick service restaurants, seeing some fraying at the edges in terms of consumer demand, mainly under the weight of, you know, higher prices. Um, I'm just curious if this is something you're seeing as well, and to what extent, if at all, does your outlook, you know, maybe potentially factor some kind of slowdown there? Yeah, in our in our business, frankly. A lot of our business can is, is really focused on front of the house, and we're actually seeing solid performance for our away-from-home business, both in the U.S. 
and as well as outside the U.S. And if you think about the fact that outside the U.S., we use that channel very much as a, as a way for us to drive awareness and build our brands, that continues to drive positive growth for us. Uh, in the U.S. as well, we see that, you know, even within the, the context of QSR, we continue to see progress and improvements. But at the same time, we're also expanding into new channels that allows us to continue to drive the growth, whether that is from, you know, our, our bending opportunities into new hospitality areas. So we also are having a, a little bit of a broader view of how we define our away-from-home business to go into new spaces that we know are hard, margin accretive and not be dependent on just one channel in order for us to drive the growth. Understood. Thank you for that. And then the gross margin increase you're expecting this year, despite a little bit of lingering inflation, can you just remind us what some of the key drivers will be of that? Is it simply a continuation of what helped 2023 in terms of COGS efficiencies and some revenue growth management assistance? Sure. So we expect gross margin to expand again, and it's part of our long-term algorithm. Um, I'm sure proud of what we have done so far. Reminded that we always have been pricing to offset inflation dollar for dollar, and that's what we have done in the last two years. However, in 2024, uh, we are expecting to, to price approximately at 1% level, which is below the inflation that you're expected at 3%. But so the main driver is really coming from the gross efficiencies. We have been uh, delivering ahead of what we uh, outlined to you a couple of years back. So 2023 is a very solid year, almost 4% of gross efficiencies as a percentage of COGS. And in 2024, we expect another solid year. So this growth efficiency is helping us not only to offset a component of the inflation, but also is helping us to expand gross margins and investing a little more in the business on the SGNA side. And that's something that you should expect to see from us. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for questions. Our next question comes from Pamela Kaufman with Morgan Stanley. You may proceed. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. I, I, I was hoping that you could double-click a bit into the drivers behind your Q4 results in North America and how you're thinking about those factors going forward. Uh, you pointed to weaker consumer demand, but also discrete headwinds like the inventory deload and lapping the trade accrual. So how, how are you thinking about North America consumer demand in 24? And can you explain what drove the one-time dynamics? Was it a specific retailer or specific categories where you saw a deload? And maybe you can explain the effect of the trade accrual. Thank you. Let me, let me, let me start, I guess, to give you a sense for how we see the consumer today and then Maybe Andrew, you can go deeper into the specifics about the Q4 and how we are, how we that see that playing as we go forward. But you know, I guess the place I would start would be that what we're seeing in the data is that regardless of the income levels, that consumer is looking for value and and they continue to be under pressure. And what we see is low-income consumers are actually shopping more at, at places like dollar stores, higher-income consumers more at club stores. But mostly, you know, we are seeing them looking for overall smaller trips to stretch their dollar further. 
So for us, it continues to be about how do we continue to deliver value in different ways to that consumer who are very much focused on value through essentially investing in our brands, making sure we have a longer value offerings, and increasing the distribution in different channels to beyond what we have done in the past. And let me just be specific before I give you the details on the Q4. You know, and if I think about club channels, you know, we have introduced a number of brands into club, from Capri Sun to Lunchables to Classico Pasta Sauce. In fact, we also tested new innovation in our club channels, and in 2024, we'll have 20% higher number of offerings into club than we did in 2023. Now, if I think about the enterprise points in the category and the SKU that we can have in kind of areas around dollar stores, we're actually making sure that we're driving things like improving our assortment of barbecue and mustard or craft of mayo and salad dressing, as well as new items around Taco Bell and our partnership that we have in order for us to drive expanding use of our Mexican uh, initiatives. So if I think about Dollar Store, we actually have today over 300 SKUs, and year, year over year we're going to be increasing about another 10% versus what we had in the past. So we are making sure that we are in the right channels with the right assortment and continue to invest in our innovation in order to make sure that we are capturing consumers looking for value independent of where they're looking for um, different occasions, different formats, different shopping behaviors. And now, Andre, if you want to give a little more context on the Q4. Sure. So North America, net sales decline at 3%. And approximately 140 bips is linked to the trade accrual release from last year, from 2022, and from inventory deload year over year. But in fact, it's, it's not that we saw a deload happening in 2023. It's that in Q4 2022, as we started to recover, services start to ship ahead of consumption. So we are lapping that effect. So. There's nothing really on that regard affecting 2023. It's just a, a lapping effect. Now, the sellout was negative, and it was softer than what we anticipated. Um, we, we underestimated the impact of SNAP uh, in Q4. Uh, it turned out to be um, more than 150 basis points stronger than we thought. If you remember, there was a concentration of emergency allotments at the end of 2022, so on a year-over-year basis, the net benefits declined close to 40%, which is substantial. And that's what affected a lot of sellouts. We should continue to see some of that in Q1. So on a year-over-year basis, Q124 is still be about 20% less uh, SNAP than, uh, than, than last year. So we're still going to suffer a, a, a portion of this effect. But on the other hand, our market share has improved in Q4 as we anticipated, which is a very good sign. We're leaving, exiting the year with the best share performance uh, of 2023. So that gives us a lot of good momentum heading into this year. Hope that helps. Yes, uh, thanks. Just a, a quick clarification. So are you saying that SNAP was a greater headwind in the fourth quarter than the prior two quarters? And, and why do you yes, think that absolutely. is? Yes, because there is a concentration of emergency allotments considered in Q4 of 2022. So the, the SNAP benefits in Q4 22 were actually higher than Q2 and Q3 2022. Okay, and, thank and you. This in, itself, this in itself is not a surprise. I mean, we just underestimated the, the, the elasticity of that. 
Understood. I'll, I'll pass it on. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. One moment for questions. Our next question comes from Robert Moscow with TD Cowan. You may proceed. Hi. Uh, thanks. Uh, a, a couple of questions. Um, those of us analyzing your, your commodity exposure uh, see a lot of deflation running through on the ingredient side, maybe even the packaging side, and, and your guidance is for inflation to be positive. Can you walk through some of the components that, that we can't see, maybe it's conversion costs or things like that, that um, make this a uh, continue to be an inflationary year? And then my second question was, you know, you have a $25 million uh, write-down for, I think, systems related to your modernization act efforts. Can you go into a little more detail as to what caused that write-down? Thanks. Sure. Good morning, Rob. Uh, good to hear from you. So on the inflation side, um, as we said in preparing remarks, we do expect uh, inflation again into 2024, low single digits, around 3% territory. Um, even though ingredients as a whole, we see quite a few commodities that are deflationary, we still have the impact of mainly tomatoes and, and, and sugar affecting us negatively. So there is a, a little in, in net increase in, in terms of commodity inflation. And then, but the biggest bulk of the inflation is really coming from labor. We continue to see uh, a relevant higher than, than uh, pre-pandemic level on, on, on age increase, as well as transportation. I think in 2023, the transportation costs were quite low, and we are seeing some signs of rebound on, on the transportation cost side. So that's, this is where inflation is mostly coming from. Um, on the second part of the question about the $25 million, so not 100% of that is, 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 the, is the system right off, even though it's, it's the majority of it. And this has to do with us deciding not to maintain investment in, in a certain uh, technology that we think will not be relevant for, for, for the future. So we decided to stop that investment and redirect the issue something that we think will be more relevant to us to our future agenda. As you know, technology is front and center of our strategy. And we have continued to make decisions to make sure that, that we can take big turn it into a competitive advantage to us. So, and this, if this might require us to make decisions in between acquire that we not initially anticipated because we, we saw the, the, that's the right thing for the business for the long term, we're not going to hesitate to do that. Okay. Thank you, Andre. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Operator, operator, we have time for one more question. Thank you. And our last question comes from John Baumgartner with Mizuho Securities. You may proceed. Good morning. Thanks for the question. Um, morning. Maybe morning. first off, morning. Wondering if you could provide an update on the outlook for efficiencies. Just just given the over delivery in 2023, what's included in the guide for 2024? And as you think out to this this next round of improvements, specifically the new overhead savings from automation, fixed assets. How are you thinking about the timing for when those benefits begin to accrue? Okay, so thanks for the question. Um, as, as we said, 2023 was a very solid year. We delivered close to 4% of efficiencies and percentage of COGS. And we do expect 2024 to be another year where we will, we will be delivering ahead of the 3% COGS that we have outlined. Um, I, I want to make sure that you understand that not only this is a consequence of the complete 
ways of working change that we have done in supply chain, more focus on variable costs and continuous improvements. But but also we are all, uh, we still have some uh, efficiency opportunities that are, are coming through as a consequence of the the the, the pandemic and and all the 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 inefficiency generated by that. That helped in 2023, and that is still going to help a little bit in 2024. But beyond that, there, is, there are a lot of things happening on the supply chain space. Difficult to name only one because of, given the sheer size of, of our cogs, but we do have initiatives coming from network optimization in the U.S. We have a very complex distribution center network, more than 80 distribution centers overall. We do have initiatives in Automation, in fact, we have a very strong partnership with Microsoft trying to do uh, using technology to allow us to make faster decisions and with that improve labor usage and reduce uh, yield losses. Um, we have a lot of opportunities on value engineering to continue to uh, make, make sure to offer the right type of attributes to consumers. So there is a lot of different levels. We're going to touch on a few of them next week in Cagney. But but I think we are very pleased with the quality of the pipeline we have in supply chain now. And I think you will see is that how the investments we have been making in technology, the partnership we have been making in digital are basically fueling a lot of that efficiency in a way that actually creates some benefit for us for now and to the future as well. And you will, again, we'll impact that even further when we are together in Florida. Thanks for that. And then just quickly on international, the, the emerging markets vol mix was, was pretty solid in Q4, but I'm wondering if you can speak to the vol mix in the developed markets, what you're seeing in Europe from category performance, private label competition, and the consumer dynamics there, you know, sort of giving you confidence in the, the international guide for, for 2024. Thank you. Happy to. You know, I think if we think about what we have mentioned in terms of value and how consumers are looking for value in the U.S., is similar as well too in terms of of the of consumers in Europe i mean they are looking for that value as well and we are continue to make sure that we bring in that value through the critical brands that we have like you know our Heinz business in the UK for example and how we continue to bring you know the uh, products to the market that bring a number of uh, improvements on our quality of our products as well as focusing on the benefits that we bring so for example a product like you know, Heinz beans and the fact that it brings kind of such a, a benefit around protein, that's something that is kind of now shifting in terms of how we think about that product. The fact that we also bring in within certain part of our categories new entries by leverage to our brands. So in baked beans, we'll have not only the Heinz beans, but we'll also have HP baked beans. And that allows us to actually play in a couple of different areas with consumers, both at the at more mainstream as well as the more value. And then in places like Germany, we're also introducing new benefits to consumers as they are looking also again for value, whether that is Heinz mayonnaise in new channels in the discount spaces, but also making sure that we continue to bring the innovation consumers are looking for from us, like our Heinz tomato ketchup and with zero sugar. So we are approaching it with the same sense as we do in the U.S., which is let's make sure we're in the right channels with the right absorbent. And at the same time, let's focus on bringing the uh, focusing on the benefits that we bring with our products. Okay. Thanks, Carlos. Thanks, Andre. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very I much. I would now like to turn the call back over to Anne Marie Miguel for any closing remarks. Thank you, and thank you everyone for your interest. We look forward to seeing you next week.
Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.